It's Sage. So I recently put out the video kind of explaining or giving the mission statement on what this channel is going to be about. And I'm extremely excited about that. Like I said, I enjoy doing interviews. I enjoy talking about this stuff. So one of the people that reached out to me was a guy named Ben. And I was extremely impressed with the email he sent me and reached out to him and we ended up having a conversation. The conversation was fantastic. I basically asked him to be one of the first guests on the show and he accepted. This is something that I definitely see him coming back more and more. I see a potential in possibly even co-hosting a show with me um, on the interview channel. He's highly intelligent and has been studying this for a long time. And he did a video that he kind of gives a rundown of some of the stuff that he wants to talk about and go over. So I asked if I could, you know, play the video on my show and present you guys uh, with some of his information. So you kind of have an idea um, on what Ben is all about. Like I said, again, I definitely see him being a part of the show and even possibly co-hosting shows with me. So let's do this. Let me bring in Ben, at least his uh, icon, and and then I'm going to bring in the projector. And why don't we just take a listen and hear, let's just watch his video and, and check it out with me. All of my life, I was told that we evolved from monkeys over millions of years and slowly developed until about five and a half thousand years ago when we all of a sudden developed language, agriculture, writing, economics, metallurgy, industry, cars, planes, computers, and bam. Here we are trying to figure out what actually happened. In church, I learned that God created Adam and Eve 6,000 years ago, and that's where we came from. It seems that recent evidence, redating efforts, and a focus on oral traditions which have historically been treated as myth and legend have shaken the paradigm of the established historical timeline. Things like the Great Pyramids at Giza being tombs for ancient pharaohs is something we just can't tolerate anymore since none of the pharaohs were actually found in them at all. Since John Anthony West and Robert Schock redated the Sphinx's origin to a conservative 10,500 BC due to the clear water erosion on the Sphinx enclosure, the dating of many other monolithic sites around the world have come into question. Now, with Gobekli Tepe shaking the foundations of the archaeological worldview, a new theory will have to be formulated. I've been studying this field of research in some of the darkest corners of the internet for about 15 years now, and I've heard a lot of crazy theories. Everything from reptilians, Pleiadians, Andromedans, and Flat Earth theory, none of which makes a whole lot of sense. There are, however, hidden gems here and there that a lot of people miss over the loud static coming from the UFO community. Graham Hancock is at the forefront of the catastrophism theory, which is the idea that humans may have been more advanced than we once thought, but were interrupted by major Earth cataclysms. Randall Carlson is another influential person behind this theory from a geologic perspective. Using data from ice core samples and land formations that have been misclassified, he claims that there are many catastrophes that rock the ancient world. These two are traveling all over to try and understand what happened between now and the Ice Age. I'm of the opinion that the answer must be simple, it must make sense, and it must fit the facts. So here are the facts. 
We humans have no recorded history before about 3500 BC. Because of this, we assume that humans must have been hunter-gatherers living in a Stone Age existence before then. When we uncover evidence of advanced building techniques, we assume that this is a semi-modern ancient civilization built by people after the 3500 BC mark. We point to things like Khufu's name written inside of the pyramid and assume that it was built during that period. However, if the current president of the United States of America decided to replace Hoover's name on the Hoover Dam with his own, thousands of years from now, people would think that it was built today instead of the 1930s. There are no other inscriptions in or on the entirety of the pyramid structure except that one cartouche. We see massive stones that couldn't possibly have been moved by humans, yet there they are. Incredible carvings, incredible precision, but how can this be? It seems to me that there is a large gap of information missing between where we are now and where we were when these structures were being built. Another elephant in the room that needs to be addressed is the UFO phenomenon. We now know they exist. They have existed for a long time and have been written about in numerous accounts, not only in modern times, but also in ancient times. With the advent of cell phone cameras and more people watching the skies, we're seeing a lot more these days. 65% of the population believe in aliens, but is that really the correct answer for all of the strange phenomena witnessed by people all over the world? Could there be a simpler, yet more rewarding explanation? The Vedas speak of the Vimana, which were large craft that can lift up and fly anywhere in the world. How do we account for this? The Vedas are believed to have been written between 2500 and 5000 years ago, but they cover human history dating back to the Ice Age around 16,000 years ago. Some even go back 70,000 years. Again, how can we have a later record of this advanced human history and not find any earlier written material from which to corroborate the account? To attempt to answer this question, we turn to a man by the name of Ben McBrady, who claimed to be the last surviving member of the old Gaelic order of the Druids. McBrady claims that the idea behind the order was that if all life on Earth was wiped out, except a few people, those of the order would be able to reboot civilization with their extensive knowledge. The order came into existence after the last major cataclysm that almost wiped out humanity. Because of the nature of this cataclysm, humans became obsessed with astronomy. They believed that a full knowledge of astronomy would enable them to predict when these catastrophes would occur and take the necessary measures to save mankind. McBrady claimed that before this catastrophe, humans communicated telepathically. After the cataclysm, on the north shores of Europe, it was discovered that most of humanity had lost their telepathic function. Only a few retained this ability. From there, the rest of them migrated east. When civilizations came along, the telepaths would integrate themselves into these societies to help steer policies that would avert major social breakdowns. This simple yet incredible claim, if true, would explain an immense amount of confusion about our history. Here's my thought process. All right. If humans were telepathic, they would have no need for written or spoken language. The only expressions external to this telepathy would have been body language, symbolism, art, music, pictographs, and geometry. 
The speed at which these people would have been able to reboot civilization would have been many times greater than us because of the efficiency of their telepathic process. Could this explain why many ancient sites around the world have no writing on them, yet contain complex math and geometry? Could this explain the rapid technological advancement in building techniques during the age of Leo if we assume that structures like the pyramids, the Sphinx, Angkor Wat, Easter Island, Machu Picchu, the Baalbek Temple Foundation, and other monolithic sites were built during that time. Here's the kicker. What happens when you are a telepath and your brethren have lost the ability to communicate with you? Unfortunately, you're forced to excommunicate them. You're forced to send them away because nothing could be done with them. In fact, because of the frustration and probable violence from a person unable to communicate, it would have been necessary to sequester them to the surface and guard the entrances to the underground cities. What happens when you have lost your telepathic ability? Well, you can no longer convey ideas to another human being. You can't tell them how you feel. You can't coordinate anyone else towards a common goal. You are basically on your own, locked in your own head, and surrounded by others who also can't communicate with you. So you roam the land in quiet groups, hoping that you'll find safety in numbers. You would use body language, grunts, clicks, and whistles to communicate simple things. Imagine having to invent language with other people who also have no language, while also trying not to get eaten and surviving a global flood along the way. The worst part is they had no means of an oral tradition. This meant that by the time the first generation had passed away, all knowledge of what happened before them would have been completely lost. Not only that, but possibly thousands of years worth of ignorant generations that never knew what happened before they were born because of no oral tradition. That is a literal Stone Age existence. This wiped human history from the consciousness of the non-telepathic minded. If this happened around 8200 BC, which would have been the last major cataclysm before the biblical flood, then it took us about 5,000 years to invent a spoken and written language and order ourselves into a primitive working society. Most importantly, create an oral tradition to pass down history. This would explain the large gaps missing from our history between the mythical golden age and 3500 BC. Could this theoretical split in humanity be the account told in the story of Adam and Eve? Could the underground city of the telepaths and the telepathic ability be the Garden of Eden? Could the falling away story be linked directly to this lost telepathic communication? Another telling piece of evidence are the locations of these monolithic sites. If you draw a line from the Sphinx in Egypt to Angkor Wat in Cambodia, then from Angkor Wat in Cambodia to Easter Island, then from Easter Island to Machu Picchu, then back to Egypt, you get a near-perfect straight line that circumnavigates the Earth. Many ancient sites around the world are within 100 miles of this line. There is a video circulating around the internet that makes the claim that the reason this line exists is because these sites were built by an ancient, advanced civilization that had mapped the entire world. I'm not here to dispute this claim, but I am here to give an alternate perspective. In order to maximize agricultural output, a civilization that had survived a cataclysm would have built their new civilizations near the equator. 
I believe that these sites sit on an equator that would have existed until the 8200 BC Cataclysm. Using this as a baseline, the North Pole would have sat just south of Alaska, and the South Pole would have sat between Antarctica and South Africa. This theoretical equatorial line pushes the Pacific-facing side of Antarctica some 2,500 miles north. The northern ice sheets would have covered most of North America and most of Siberia. The southern ice sheets would have been as far north as Zimbabwe and parts of Chile and Argentina. The evidence supports this. If you compare this line with the modern equator, you can even see the axial points where this shift occurred at the mouth of the Amazon River in Brazil and Bakken Island, which is north from Timor-Leste and west of Western Papua. This theoretical equator also sets the Earth's tilt to about six degrees. This would have resulted in almost no seasonal changes throughout the year. The Earth was truly a different place back then. So we know what happened to us. But what happened to the telepaths? Do they still wander among us? What happened to their supposed underground civilization and are they still down there today? That's one of the speculative areas that I would like to cover. Being that they just survived a worldwide catastrophe that nearly took away all of their telepathic abilities, including wiping out most of humanity, it would have been the most prudent choice to remain underground. The reasons are many, but preserving all knowledge for the future of mankind was the most important. Let's talk about the environment. The temperatures underground are steady. The atmospheric pressure, depending on depth, would allow for a long lifespan and a high growth potential, as seen in hyperbaric chamber experiments. Living underground also offers protection from the sun's UV rays and other cosmic rays that may have adverse effects on one's telepathic ability and or lifespan. It's highly possible since they had already been living underground during the event that ended the Ice Age and during this event that they decided to remain there. Whatever technological advancements that occurred before the Cataclysm was still known to them. So it's more than possible that they had the technology for long-term subterranean sustainment. Later, when the rest of humanity were forming their language and cities, the telepaths learned how to speak with them and began integrating themselves into their societies. They would have done this in secret because McBrady claimed that they were prized and used by kings to inform them where threats would come from. They would enslave telepaths and when their usefulness ended, they would be put to death. They would form secret societies in order to stay protected, all the while most of them living underground. By now, the telepaths would have been living underground for the better part of 10,000 years or longer. If Vimanas existed in 14,000 BC, you can bet a few of those managed to survive with the telepaths. They would have created an underground industry around these craft and built more. They would have used these for surveillance of human beings living on the surface, animal life, plant life, and geologic surveys. More than likely, these machines were spaceworthy so that they could monitor the solar system. Living in a drastically different environment than us surface dwellers, they would have developed into a different looking human. The high atmospheric pressure would have made them develop faster, grow taller, and stronger than us. The lack of sunlight would have made their skin very pale. Their eyes would have enlarged along with their pupils in order to see and 
navigate in dark places. This description should start to sound familiar. Meanwhile, most of the surface dwellers had no knowledge of the telepaths apart from the few people who are sworn to secrecy. When we hear people like Bob Lazar claiming that the flying saucers that he saw at S4 came from an archaeological dig, an emergence of flying saucers onto the world stage after the first nuclear bomb test, cattle mutilations, alien abductions, and people going missing under mysterious circumstances things start to make sense. Could this also explain the account given by Phil Schneider? Did we run into them digging our own underground facilities? If you're a fan of David Polite's Missing 411, things start to make a lot of sense. If you're a fan of the secret of Skinwalker Ranch, then who do you think is down there causing all of those phenomena? Travis Taylor did say, and I'm paraphrasing here, to think that there is some government project down there with a highly advanced technology causing this is hard to swallow. This would mean that despite Taylor's experience in government aerospace projects, we just don't have this kind of technology. That's not to say that a private group that somehow got a hold of this technology isn't using it. It's just to say that the government has no knowledge of such technology. So to sum this theory up, humans lived a technologically advanced life up until the end of the Ice Age. During the cataclysm that ended the Ice Age, they went underground for almost a thousand years, creating infrastructure with which to keep them alive. This was when Atlantis was destroyed. When they emerged from the Earth around 11,000 BC, they rebuilt civilization quickly during the Age of Leo. Around 8200 BC, another cataclysm took place that removed the telepathic ability from most of the surviving population. This split the human race into people who were telepathic and people who had lost that ability. The people who had lost it were forced to the surface by the telepaths who could do nothing for them. They lived a very hard, completely ignorant Stone Age existence until language could be invented. This Dark Age of Humanity lasted about 5,000 years. At around 2600 BC, a semi-global flood took place and wiped out most of mankind that was living on the surface. Few remote groups survived and continued development in civilization, language, and writing. The telepaths continued to exist underground in order to preserve their knowledge and telepathic ability. They continued construction and development of infrastructure necessary to watch over the Earth and help humanity avoid extinction. Some of them integrated themselves into ancient and modern societies in order to help avoid social calamities and possibly to aid in the evolution of our technological advancements. Thank you for listening. Alright, so that's Ben. And he has been doing this for a long time and he's very passionate about it and these are the type of conversations i want to have here i'm not asking you to say well that's the answer that's the fact that's the only truth what i'm asking is if we don't start having conversations like this if we don't start going back and forth with possible de debates and throwing our opinions out there that poke holes or fill holes and things like that who else will if we leave science up to only the scientists and we don't bring them possibility for new theories and new things to look at they might never do it we can't complain about what the scientists are studying and things like that if we're not ourselves reaching out pushing ourselves 
pushing our thoughts and our minds and our ability to comprehend information to push them further. And this is what we're going to do here. And it's people like Ben that are going to be a part of this show. I've reached out to a couple others, but like I said, I've put an open invitation to have Ben come on and be more a part of the show. And he's accepted, and I'm excited about that. And I hope you are too. Because together, we can possibly come up with some of the answers to the questions that we're all looking for. That being said, I'll end it here. Say ciao.